I don't know if you've noticed, we, we've had a lot of teenagers, and we had T, who's not a teenager, but will soon be a teenager, um, and I've been remiss. Ewan has been here a couple times thus far. This is the second time. Can, can I introduce Ewan to, to everybody? Oh, boy. Now that he's sleeping, oh, hey, buddy. Well, that's right. This is Ewan. Dennis. What's his middle name? Ira. Ira? Well, hi. Here, let, let's, let's do a Simba moment. <laughs> hi. These are your friends. See? Oh, my goodness. You were adorable. Oh, he's your... I just want to say, you know what? The song was... Lord, you're my desire, but I can tell you right now, you, you are the Lord's desire. You are, which is awesome. I want you to sit in that today, that you were his desire. Grandpa, is there any way we can get that humming out, if that's okay? Um, and you know what? We had a few ladies uh, yesterday um, because you are the Lord's desire we knowing that we are his desire he desires us to reach out to those that are his desire and so there were a group of ladies from from here uh, it was our tapestry ministry um, they went down to the Ronald McDonald house and served uh, those families, they, they cooked food, uh, prepared food, and served those families that are um, in uh, very difficult moments in their life with their kids in the hospital. And uh, these ladies are awesome. We're, we're very grateful that they, they value um, Jesus Christ, and they value those that are valued by Him. And uh, I, I wanted to introduce you to another individual um, who... Uh, has um, been a part of uh, serving in our community. Eugene, would you mind coming up, sir? Some of you may need, know Eugene. Some of you may not. Uh, come on over and have a, have a seat, Eugene. Um, Eugene, there are some new folks here that don't know um, much about what you do on a weekly basis along with your wife and along with uh, Mr. Johnson, Jim Johnson, who's not here today. He's celebrating with family for a, uh, a wedding. Um, Eugene, what do you do on a weekly basis? Well, every week we go out to the jail, the county jail, and we talk with the men, and then the ladies go and they visit with the women. So that's a weekly thing. How long have you been doing that, Eugene? Well, you know, I'm not really sure. I've kind of lost track, but I suppose maybe <laughs> 15 years or maybe a little more. Really? Um, how is it that you are able to do that? What is there an organization that you're a part of? Yes, we belong to the Gideons. And of course, most all of you have heard about the Gideons. If you go into hospitals, doctor's offices, colleges, schools, dentist office or just anywhere that people come and go, you will see a Bible. 
I don't, I don't think there's been a hotel or motel that I've been in that there has not been a Gideon's Bible at least on the counter or in the drawer at the, at the hotel. You know, it's sad to say, but there are some that we cannot get in. So, Eugene, why, why, is, this, why is this the main purpose of the Gideon's? Well, I guess it's to get God's word out. jail. Uh, these, are, these are men that, that when they're out, they see Eugene and they come over and talk to Eugene and, and, and thank him. But Eugene, you were bold in sharing the gospel with these men. And uh, I want to say thank you. You know what? I know. I'm not bold enough. Yes, yeah, you are. We, we <laughs> yeah, do, you are. We could do a little better <laughs> job. I'm still. Yeah, you are. You and, and so what did you have here? I had your I had your Bibles. You all see these, don't you? These get spread around. We take them all over the world. In fact, in fact, we have so many calls for Bibles, testaments, that we cannot publish them fast enough. <laughs> we need funds. So Eugene, um, how can how can we, um, as individuals and as the body of Christ, um, help you do what you do uh, on a weekly basis and also get the Word of God out? Well, you know, I think it's very important for everybody to know that all of our members in the Gideon organization came out of a church just like this. They're church members. They go to church. They're part of a church. And so we want you to know that that the word will get out. We need funds, we need money to publish more. The call is always out. More, more. I guess it will probably never end. What was your question again? <laughs> did, I answer, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. That's so good. Um, Eugene, your story, uh, it, it was really uncanny. Um, he told me the story about the, the, the individual who had ripped out the pages um, of the Bible and it flew in the wind and somebody else picked it up and, and was redeemed. 
Um, and I had actually had in mind for Eugene to read this scripture um, before he even told me this. And so I, I would like for you to listen to the word of God um, this morning from Isaiah chapter 55. And it's going to be 1 through 11. And listen to the very key words at the end of this passage, will you please? I'd like to pray for you, and I'd like to pray for us as we go into the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Eugene, the humble heart that he has, a man that does not want to be recognized, but Lord Father, you have elevated him. You have provided him opportunity to bring the Word of God to those that are probably at the lowest point in their life. Lord Jesus, will you anoint this man as he continues to serve the King and your kingdom. Father, we lift up those hearts, those individuals, those men that he will have conversations with over the next however long. Lord, I ask that you already move in their lives right now for the word of God and, and the truth that they will hear from these lips. And may they bring salvation. May they receive you, Jesus. And this morning, as we go into the word of God and as we learn the word of God, 
We ask that you speak directly to us because your word does not return to you void. It will go out and achieve the purpose in which you sent it out to accomplish. So Lord Father, may you put a stirring within us for your truth, for engagement with the word of God and who you are. We love you and it's in your name we pray today. Amen. And make it so, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Eugene. Can we uh, appreciate him very, very much? So, um, we, have, uh, we have just started the journey uh, called uh, Supersize Me, The Simple Life. And quite frankly, we have allowed ourselves to become gluttons uh, of, of those messages that are sent our way that we either allow in our life or that just come unwittingly into our lives. And those messages, soon, as we intake them, um, somebody said to me this week, uh, sometimes they, they deal with stinking thinking, and I thought, man, what a phrase, because sometimes that's what happens. When we let stink in, we start to think the stink, and we end up having stinking thinking. And it changes the way we perceive, the way we make decisions, how we operate. Quite frankly, there is a change in our mind. And so um, this sermon series may seem like a cliché. It may seem like, here we go again, I've heard it before, I don't need to hear it again type of sermon, type of series. Folks, this is not about fluff. I can tell you right now, that is further from the truth. Quite frankly, we need to understand that you and I are in hand-to-hand combat with Satan himself. Who wants to overtake your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, the schools, and the community? You and I are in hand-to-hand combat. And I can tell you right now, we have been praying for you. Our Sunday night group has been praying and lifting this congregation up. Because we know... We know that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. We know that when you have set your heart like Flint on Jesus Christ, when you focus your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith and you try to engage him, two things are going to happen. One, God is going to reveal himself. Undoubtedly, He will reveal himself. He promises if you come to him, he will draw near to you. But number two, there is no question in my mind that the enemy, Satan, will come directly after you. When you want to dedicate yourself and your household to the Lord, the enemy comes after you. You now have put a target on your back. And folks, as Paul says, we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but we struggle against the rulers, the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, for we, though we live in this world, you and I, and receive those messages 
the broken record from our childhood, those voices that continue to turn and turn and turn and become truth to us, those distortions of our own minds, those messages in which we tell ourselves that are untrue, though we live in this world, we fight differently. Paul says, we live in the world, we do not wage world as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, on the contrary. The weapons that we fight with, they demolish strongholds. They have the power to demolish strongholds. Is it any wonder that Paul says and ends this whole passage with the fact that we must take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because the war that we are in hand-to-hand combat with is in our mind. Is more often than not inside of us and in our mind. Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We mentioned this last week. That word, transform. I'm not trying to get all educational here. But that word transformed in the Greek. It's metanoia. It's how we get the word metamorphosis. That word metamorphosis, that is what we use to describe the process of a caterpillar cocooning itself and coming out as a butterfly. Chrysalis. It's that metamorphosis that occurs, that caterpillar and that butterfly are completely different in substance and in structure. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He knows that the battle is fought and won right there for your heart. So this sermon series isn't merely just fluff and spiritual formation. It is necessary for you and your family to jump headfirst into this. How is the battle won? Folks, how does the metamorphosis occur? How does this transformation happen? Folks, it's forged in the fire. It is forged in the process. If you think about those that the blacksmith putting in that metal to strengthen that metal, he puts it in the fire to forge that metal into what he wants to form it. He puts it in the fire and heats it up to an intense heat. This fury of heat pulls it out and begins to unrelentingly pound that metal when I think of that I kind of hear that pounding that occurs flakes fly off you can see it glowing red pounding and pounding and then cooling it off and inspecting it pounding it some more putting it back into the intense intense heat pulling it back out and continuing to pound on repeat, over and over and over. That is the process of transformation. That is the process of metamorphosis. That is the process of renewal. Folks, we are forged in the fire of the Word of God. Jeremiah says this, 
I have a fire. God's Word is a fire. Pent up in my bones. I cannot keep it in. I must speak it out. The Word of God is that fire, is that process. That is how we become transformed. When we engage with the Lord through the means in which He has ordained, and those means are fasting. Some of you chose this week to separate yourself from something in order to give yourself in greater measure to the Lord. The Word of God, meditation, prayer, communion, baptism, worship, praise. Those things in which God has ordained that we may engage with Him. Christian community. That is the fire in which we allow ourselves to be forged in. Folks, it's not merely coming to church on a Sunday morning. It's not merely coming to a life group. It's not merely doing the intellectual, academic process of Bible quizzing. All those things are great. And all those other things are great that we do. But we must engage with the Word of God and must engage with God Himself in the means in which He is ordained. He says this about, he says this about His Word. That in His Word, forgive me, I'm ahead of myself. Hebrews 4.12 He says that His Word is a living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is the mirror in which we need to view ourself. You look in the mirror on a daily basis. At least I hope you do. Some of you aren't so well put together. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's probably me, right? I got a few hairs out of place. No. We look in the mirror on a daily basis. We inspect ourselves. Sometimes we get real high, intense light bulbs so we can see, man, the passing of time, right? We can see those blemishes. Folks, the Word of God is living and active. It is the mirror in which we look in on a daily basis, not to see not our face, but to see the heart that we have and how we are misaligned or where we are aligned with God. I didn't put it up here, but the Word of God continues, and it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of of Him to whom we must give account. Folks, when creation was in God's imagination, how did creation come to be? Creation came to be by the fact that God spoke it to existence. And God said... And there it was. And God said. And God said. And God said. Creation. There's power in God's word. There is life in God's word. God created life when he spoke creation into existence. 
Is it any wonder that we engage with God through the means in which He's ordained it? As I back up, and I've said this before, God's voice is in God's Word. In other words, God's voice can be heard in His Word. We engage with Him through the verse. We engage with Him through the text and prayer. I learned something this week um, in, in class that really clicked for me. Genesis chapter 2. God is in the act of creation and kind of gives us this microscope moment where he formed man out of dust. And here we have man formed but without life. We have Adam without life. And what does God do? God breathes into Adam. And it says that Adam becomes a living being. Again, I don't want to get educational or academic here. But I learned those words, living being. Not only does it mean person and self, but it also means passion and appetite and a very rudimentary throat. He's a living throat. He's a living appetite. And who is he to have an appetite for? The same one that created him. Last week was all about separating ourselves from something to give ourselves in greater measure to God. Fasting. And I began to process this whole concept of fasting. We are to hunger and thirst for God. We are to have this deep appetite for Him, who He is. Jesus Himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus Himself said, I am the bread of life. Jesus Himself said, I am the living water. He even said, we know Him to be the Word. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We are to feast on Christ Himself, His body, His blood. In fact, In fact, that he is the wine. He's the vine. He produces fruit. It's all this idea that Jesus Christ is who we are to feast on. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, 
to become sin, that we may become or be seen as the righteousness of God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are to hunger and thirst for Christ. We are to separate ourselves from those things that we may offer ourselves in greater measure. We are to have a living appetite for our God. He is our sustainer. He is who we are to feed on. How do we do that? Engaging with God through His Word because through His Word there is life. All Scripture is God-breathed. This text goes all the way back to that moment where Adam was formed and God life into Adam. It's the same principle. God's Scripture breathes into you. Breathes life into you. Teaches you. Rebukes you. Leads you in the path of righteousness. It is the mirror that reflects our heart that teaches us the character of God and who He is. How many of us have questions of who God is, yet we do not go to the place in which we understand Him? That we can comprehend Him and at least wrap what part of our minds we can around Him. It is the Word of God. And it breathes life into you. Some of us wait until this very moment. Every week. To hear a word from the Lord. Ambrose will give it to us. But God wants you to engage with Him on a daily basis. To have that experience every day. Why wait for something that He already desires to give you? that you can receive. Jesus said, Sanctum by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is our example of that truth. He said, I, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus himself is the word. He's Lagos. He is the actual spoken word of God. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. If you want to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, watch what Jesus did. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. It's all right there. And how do we understand that and how do we know that? How do we learn that? We engage in His word. And so, you know what? I thought it to be a little bit more uh, of a, a practical morning less than a kind of preachy morning. So I'd like to walk with you for the next like five to ten minutes to help you engage and wrap your head around a little bit more of the Word of God. And so that the Word of God becomes a little bit more clearer. When I learned this, I started to engage in God's Word a little bit differently.
So, um, if you would, open up to the very, very front of your Bible. Um, not to Genesis 1, no, um, to actually the index where it lists all the books of the Bible. I know this is a little weird. Trust me, I get it. This, this might actually be helpful for many of us who are starting to engage in God's Word for the first time. So, I'd like for you to look at the New Testament. The listing of books in the New Testament. Um, there's a list of books. The first four books of the New Testament are what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, this is where I want to wrap our heads around. Jesus had how many disciples? Well, there were a lot, but those specific disciples, how many specific disciples did he have? Twelve. Of those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, who wrote those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of those four, who are disciples of Jesus? Actual, hung out with him for three years, walked beside him, smelled him, ate with him, you know, maybe passed gas and said, pull my finger to Jesus. I don't know. But of those, of those four Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who had intimate contact with Jesus over the course of three years? Matthew and John were immediate disciples of Jesus. Now, I want you to gauge this for a second because we're all tracing this back to Jesus. The books that we read of the Bible that we read on a daily basis, Matthew all the way through Revelation, Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew. John wrote the Gospel of John. There are four other books that John also wrote. And those would be 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also Revelation. What does this mean? This means that John, who wrote the Gospel of John, was an eyewitness of Jesus. He sat with him, he ate with him, he actually engaged with him, he listened to the teachings of Jesus, he actually performed miracles along with the rest of the disciples, the feeding of the 5,000. John was a part of that. He witnessed that. John had an intimate connection with Jesus, so much so that after Jesus was arrested, he was able to engage with those that had arrested him and that were questioning Jesus. John had eyes on Jesus. He visibly saw the resurrected Jesus. Actually, John was the one who saw Jesus crucified. Now, Matthew, who's Matthew? He's the tax collector. He's the guy that Jesus came to his booth in Matthew chapter 9 and wrote his own story. He said, come follow me. Now, who's the head, head of the disciples? His name is Peter, right? Peter was another one of Jesus' disciples. Peter who denied Christ three times. Peter who walked on water. Peter, Peter who preached on in Acts 2, the first time when the Holy Spirit came down. Peter actually wrote two books. He wrote first and second Peter. Now, 
these guys had intimate contact with Jesus. They were eyewitnesses, literal eyewitnesses of Jesus. Like I am eyewitnessing you right now, and you are eyewitnessing me in the flesh. So when I read these words and these stories from these men, Matthew and John have firsthand knowledge of Jesus Christ in the flesh, in resurrected form. Peter has firsthand knowledge of Jesus Christ in the flesh, in the form. There's two other Gospels that we haven't mentioned. Luke and Mark. Luke and Mark. We'll get to them because there's a connection. Who wrote a majority of the New Testament? I'm pulling from your Bible knowledge here. Paul. Who was Saul? Paul wrote Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. You can look down your list right there. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st uh, and 2nd Thessalonians, Titus and Philemon. Am I missing one? Paul himself. Now watch this connection. Paul literally saw the glorified Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 literally saw the glorified Jesus Christ. Post-resurrection, post-ascension, saw him. Who else did Paul know? Paul knew Peter. Paul knew John. Paul knew Matthew. Paul actually knew all of the other disciples other than Judas Iscariot who offed himself before Jesus' crucifixion. Paul knew all the disciples, all the 11 left over. Paul saw Stephen crucified or stoned to death. Paul engaged with these men who knew Jesus firsthand. And Paul firsthand knew Jesus in Acts chapter 9. Eyewitness. Our whole culture right now is all about testimony. Have you noticed that in the news? Do you believe them or not, right? It really is. Do you believe them or not? Of all the documents that we have, many people, including Christians, wonder, is this a document that we should really believe and take stock of? Folks, we've already listed three people that have first-hand knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dead, or alive, dead, resurrected, ascended. We also have Paul. Who wrote the, the book of Luke? Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. It's the first 30 years of history of, of the church. But also in the book of Acts, Luke mentions himself. There's all these passages that says we, including Luke and Paul. Luke was on a missionary journey just along with Paul. Luke knew Peter. Luke knew John. Luke knew Matthew. They all were connected. They all knew one another. They all shared conversations. Mark is also known as John Mark. 
And he's mentioned in the book of Acts, and he's also mentioned in many letters that Paul wrote. Actually, they had a falling out at one point, along with Barnabas, which we haven't mentioned. The interconnection that's happening in the books of the Bible from Matthew to Revelation. There's a couple books I haven't mentioned. Look down your list, and are there any books I haven't mentioned? Hebrews. Hebrews and Jude and James. Ah, let's start with James. The book of James. The book of James was written by none other than Jesus' own brother. Well, some would say his half-brother because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, right? He grew up with Jesus. He did not believe Jesus was who Jesus said Jesus was until when? After the resurrection. He became the central figure of the early church. Hebrews. All those bad jokes about God drinking coffee. Seriously, just stop. Um, <laughs> Hebrews. There's question as to who wrote Hebrews. And over the study, I've come to the conclusion, and this is my own personal conclusion, there are too many similarities between Paul and the word of Hebrews. There's just way too many similarities. Paul and Hebrews are right, right there. Jude. That's kind of the hanging chad of all the rest of the scripture, right? Jude's the hanging chad, but he says some things about himself that put him to the point of growing up with Jesus. Folks, when we look at the New Testament and all those books that you have, there's way too many eyewitnesses to just chuck it. There's way too many people that have interconnected with first-hand knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you would think that these writers, they'd make themselves look good. If you just read the Gospels, you'll realize they don't look all that good. We know Paul to be Saul, the Christian killer. He killed Christians before he became a follower of Jesus Christ. James didn't believe his brother one iota until the resurrection. Peter denied Christ three times and did a whole lot of other things. They didn't all look the greatest. You think if you're writing your own book, you try to make yourself look polished? They didn't. They were honest. And so, I say all this, that when you engage with the Word of God, when you read at least the New Testament, It all goes back to Jesus Christ. These are eyewitnesses. Or at least they've known people who were eyewitnesses and have many conversations. Campfire conversations. 
We're going to end here. It's not about what you know, folks. It's about who knows you. And God knows you. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know and who you're trying to get to know. So here's the practicality of this week. Throughout these next seven days before you get back, the challenge is before you to get to know who knows you, to engage with God through His Word. Carve out some time. Turn off the TV. Some of you have lots of kids that run around and have a lot of noise, and you probably need to wait until you, they go to bed, or um, maybe you can incorporate them in the reading, but carve out some time. And begin with prayer. Folks, this is not an academic process. Don't make it academic. These were unschooled, fish, school, these were unschooled fishermen. Peter, John, they're unschooled. It's not academic. Engage with God. So begin with prayer. Begin with prayer and open your heart to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to reveal God Himself, His Word, and yourself. This is about you getting to know you as well. Read and listen to a portion of God's Word. Some of you have a difficult time reading. I get it. You can pull up an app. You can listen to God's Word. Just listen to it. Some of you have long drives. Some of you have short drives. You can listen to God's Word as you drive. Some of you have a routine in the morning. Turn it on. Just turn it on and engage with it. Engage with God as you read and listen and find something that sticks out for you. Find something that you engaged with and just jot it down. Last but not least, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to you because next week we're going to move into meditation and it's all about the Word of God. We carve out to fill. And so some people say, where do I begin? Where do I start? Well, in my opinion, I'd probably start with one of the guys that actually physically knew Jesus. Like right there, three years. Matthew, John, Peter. Physically knew him. Luke, Mark, had conversations with people that physically knew Jesus. For some, Paul's letters... The prison letters are really short. I like short. Just engage with it. Psalms, Proverbs, and James. Psalms and Proverbs, we didn't talk about them, but you can read three to one on your Proverbs. Three Psalms to one Proverb a day. Over the course of the year, you will have read Psalms twice and Proverbs 12 times. And James is a wise book. It's the suck it up book. Let me just tell you, you will be better for having read that one, but it's going to be a tough journey because he's going to call you out. This week, saturate yourself in the Word of God. Will you do that? 
Will you please stand? And I'd like for you just to take a moment and bow your head. Bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around. And this is, I'm asking you this question and for your response so that I know specifically who to pray for. I will pray for all of you, but I want to know specifically who to pray for. If you're going to engage with God's word and carve out some time, not just five minutes, but some time to engage with his word this week, will you please show me your hand and raise your hand? Keep them high, please, so I know who I'm. You are going to be prayed for this week. I just want you to know that. Father, thank you. Thank you for setting us ablaze. May you be what we hunger and thirst for. And all of us who have raised our hands and those of us who have chosen not to but will do so. Lord, may we engage with you and know, get to know you, our God through the very word that is inspired by your spirit, that gives the life to us. And I ask that you truly stir within all of us this hunger, this desire for your truth. And not only desire it and and soak it up, but to do it. To do what it says, to adjust our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in us. We're open to you and what you want to do. Will you reveal yourself to us and teach us? Lord God, we love you and we praise you and it's in your name we ask today. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength and will you please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock.